Hi, my name's Melene. I took a very unconventional path to becoming an equine vet, which had its challenges, but building a network of colleagues and mentors has proved really valuable as my career has progressed. Hi, welcome to another episode of Beaver Pod Life. Today I've got with me Mel Lean, who is an incredible vet who has joined our profession and we're very lucky to have her after what was a very convoluted pathway to becoming an equine vet and going to vet school and she has not put down that that sort of convolutedness and has gone through doing lots of other different varied career choices um, and overcoming challenges along the way and that's why we've got Mel talking to us today. Hi Mel, thank you for coming. Thank you very much for having me. It's nice to nice to see you. So, Mel, you um, you've worked in the veterinary industry for quite a while, but um, qualified as a vet in 2018 from Budapest, and you've had a really successful career both before veterinary medicine and afterwards. Um, I'd like you to just tell us a bit about yourself and where it all began. I suppose from you know childhood, school age, whatever that may be. Yeah, great. Um, it. It's been such a long journey. <laughs> it's quite hard to sum up in the sort of 15 minutes that we have. But essentially, um, I've grown up in a coastal town on the Shin Peninsula in Wales, a little place called Absorch. And um, so lots of sheep farmers, dairy, beef farmers, um, and had always really had a, a passion for sort of veterinary and used to um, see a little bit of practice in my local vets and knew that I wanted to perhaps sort of entertain the idea of doing veterinary medicine, but then wasn't ever really kind of pushed in the right direction at school and, and you know, so didn't um, go about it in the normal way that um most people tend to. I didn't go down the A-level route um, and instead went off and um, did my BHS qualifications to become an instructor. So horses have always been the the underlying and the overriding sort of passion, really. Um, so worked the equine field for years and obviously came across a lot of equine vets along the way and met, had some really good experiences, um, worked for a few people um, along the way. And it just, it was always really at the back of my mind. Um, and then a, a long time later, I moved to London and worked in uh, media. So in advertising, and I was in the the sort of the dot-com boom, really. Um, so a lot of online campaigns were coming up and was really fortuitous to just sort of land working for this massive ad agency, an American agency, but based out of central London. And, you know, it was just so exciting and fast paced. And um, I did that for two and a half, three years. It was great. I loved it. Lots of um, Channel 4 parties and um, MTV awards. I mean, it was very glamorous looking back. Archive um, <laughs> from my normal days now. And, um, Learned an awful lot there about networking, um, people skills, communication, uh, massive presentation skills, because obviously you were always presenting to clients and pitching for business and had big campaigns for like Audi and Nokia and so on. Um, but veterinary was always really at the back of my mind. Um, so I recall um, BVA have obviously headquarters in central London and I wrote to them 
a number of times. And I think in the end, out of desperation, they were like, please just get this girl in. So interviewed and was very lucky to um, gain a place on the new development team as it was then. So there were two or three of us, three of us, in fact, um, and we sort of didn't really head up campaigns, but we were very involved with um, going out to the vet schools, meeting the students, so running um, sort of BVA Congress events um, with the vet students. So a lot of involvement there, and there was um, then quite a bit of policy development work, so um, working on um, documents for um, sort of animal welfare, tail docking. And I got to meet all the AWF trustees um, at BVA. And then during my time with them, at some point, um, two lovely vets came along on council. So they were, um, or are, uh, Peter Jimman, uh, a practitioner from Hereford, and uh, Tim Greet, um, whom we all know from Rostells. And they were both um, president-elect and junior vice president. And they were just great people and, and quite inspiring, really, with what they were trying to do within industry, you know, way back then. So that record sent me or tasked me with going to Newmarket to interview Tim Greet. And it just it just changed everything i just you know took the train down i remember tim collecting me from the station and he gave me a tour of newmarket and i just never seen anything like it never seen the scale of it um you know the yards the heath i, I just was blown away by it and then of course he took me um to rossdale's to the hospital and yeah i just couldn't believe places like that existed it was just mind blowing <laughs> Um, so it was, it, it set me on that, on this sort of path. It just, I don't know, drove my determination. I just really wanted to be a part of that. Um, and seeing the nurses and the, the vets and the students that were there and just how it all worked. Yeah. It was just, just fascinating. Um, and the piece of advice that was given me, to me then, which obviously I ignored and bitterly regretted, <laughs> was to go back to school then, get my A-levels and apply through the normal channels for vet school. But my great fear at that point was if I left this good job in London with BVA to go and do the A-levels and perhaps didn't get the grades and therefore didn't get in, then I'd have two rubbish A-levels and no job. So... (laughs) Um, I didn't do that. And instead, I went to Hartbury uh, University, as it is now, and did an equine science degree. Unaware, of course, that in doing so, I used all my student funding um, on that first degree. So that was a pitfall that sort of came up later. Um, But again, met a lot of interesting people along that journey. And... um, you know, I'm still friends with a lot of the people from, from that time. So it certainly wasn't wasted, although entry level to vet school, um, um, animal science probably would have been, you know, a stronger, um, a stronger bet. Um, so then I (laughs) embarked still not wanting to go, um, sort of not feeling I had quite had enough, you know, to get into vet school. I embarked on a master's, um, so that was at Aberystwyth University, um, and that was 
taught for a year and then you had a year to write up. So you had to write a piece of um, individual sort of clinical research. And of course, I, you know, I hadn't quite done anything like that before. So that was a a whole new sort of skill set. And in doing so, having been randomly, I was a a late guest to a random Rossdale's um, black tie ball many years ago in London. Someone had dropped out and, and they needed someone to go. So I went and I was on a table of people I didn't know one of whom was um, Professor Duncan Hannant from Nottingham Vet School, an immunologist um, and, and professor of immunology. And we became really good friends after that meal, after that evening. And lo and behold, he ended up teaching um, on the master's at Aberystwyth. So he really pushed me and said, you know, you need to apply for these travel grants. Why don't you look at Kentucky to go and sort of carry out some research out there? And I felt it was all sort of beyond me. Anyway, I dutifully applied for these travel grants, won the awards. um, And um, so I applied to the Gluck Equine Research Centre in Lexington in Kentucky And they turned me down twice because they said they only took PhD students. And then for whatever reason, I've never known, there was a change of heart. They contacted me and said, yes, they would take me as a master's student. So off I went um, just on the holiday visa. So I only had three months in order to collect the data, which isn't much as anyone who's written papers will know. And I joined um, Dr. Horohov, David Horohov, um, in his um, immunology lab as part of the Gluck team and his then um, uh, lead laboratory uh, laboratory um, person, um, Dr. Amanda Adams. And it was just like this whirlwind of data collection, um, statistics. Um, and again, it just blew my mind, the scale of Gluck. You know, there's maybe 20 professors there all with their own labs and then their own teams of people and teams of PhD students. So I was really lucky and got to help other PhD students on their projects. And um, yeah, yeah, it was it was just fantastic. Um wow. And we got a really good paper out of it. We published the work, um, so I was thrilled with that. It was a lot of work then writing up in the UK, you know, over the next year. Um, So we published, so that was fantastic. Um, And then some time later, um, managed to take a job at Rossdale's, working as a sort of half as a research assistant. So um, analyzing data from clinical, you know, cases um, and um, publishing papers with um, Tim Greet and Rich Payne. So that was a great experience, you know, again, you know, working with all those vets and and people that passed through that door. It was just really inspiring. Um, But Kentucky really was the, I suppose, looking back, was the game changer in so much as I think the Americans were far less ageist, perhaps, you know, I think in the UK, my friends and family were like, you know, just get the job now. And um, whereas America were like, what's, what's stopping you? What just applied to vet school? So, um, 
set about doing so and um, started my A-levels. So I was trying to do two A-levels, had to go home to North Wales. So then whilst I am a fluent Welsh speaker, having grown up there, you know, it was quite some time ago. So then I set about doing two A-levels in a year um, through the medium of Welsh. And um, chemistry has never been my uh, forte. So chemistry through Welsh (laughs) was not easy. Um, And I, at that point of applying, the vet schools could charge whatever fees they wanted as a second degree. So I could only apply to RVC or Nottingham um, because all the others were just, you know, crazy money. It has now, of course, changed because the government capped their ability to, you know, um, charge extortion. And and by a lot, I mean sort of one was like 88,000, another was 100,000, you know, just on fees alone. So it was completely out to the question and that's where of course having used my student funding the first time um so there wasn't you know I was going to have to self-fund um and so I applied to Nottingham went through the normal channels the UCAS channels but very unfortunately the application system is all online and it in no way was geared towards a mature student. So it was all sort of a drop down menu. And at no point could I say, you know, to answer to any of these questions, oh, that wasn't, it wasn't applicable. Or, you know, mm. there were questions such as, did I care for a younger sibling? Well, no, because I was like 30 something, you know, so yeah. it, it wasn't applicable. And I think really on that basis, probably the algorithm of, you know, the selection just threw me out. But it took quite a bit of time to get to that point to be rejected. And so, you know, I I do remember, I mean, it was just devastating um, because I'd invested so much and was halfway through these A-levels in Welsh. And um, so I felt like I ought to um, let Rossdales know that I hadn't been successful. And during that phone call, which was a difficult one, um, Ollie Pinn, now a partner, um, had said to me, oh, you know, we've had this great student come through. Um, She's here on EMS at the moment. Um, She's British, but she's studying in Budapest. And I hadn't, of course, thought about universities like vet schools abroad, didn't know anything about that system. And I kind of thought to myself, oh, you know, I don't, I don't think that's for me. I don't, you know, how would I ever do that? Um, And then in a feeling, you know, in a slightly more rational mood, I looked at the options and then there were three. So there was Perugia in Italy, Slovakia and Budapest um, that would deliver the course through the medium of English. So I wrote or like emailed all three Budapest replied immediately um, and the English programme coordinator, a lovely chap called uh, Peter Leshy, he he just had all the information at his fingertips and was really supportive and really helpful. And he suggested, you know, flying over to have a look and meet with him. Um, so I compiled all the documents, all the references, which were all in place really for, for my UK um, admissions. And... Yeah, I got in and then I was like, oh, am I going to Budapest? (laughs) (laughs) So I went, I flew in for a few days just to have a look around. 
and really to look at accommodation because in their system there is no um, provision for there's no halls so you literally land in that country in Hungary and you're pretty much on your own so managed to find some accommodation and then I started yeah in September and it was huge really um yeah it was a big shock the pace of learning you know it was demanding it's very strict mm-hmm. over there I think so we we were known as the international program which is delivered through English then there's a German stream and then there's a Hungarian stream and the Hungarian streams you know they've worked really hard the students there to be accepted onto that course you know it's very competitive it's quite elite and I think you know they they expect the same sort of conduct and application from the um, students who come in on the international program. And obviously, for me, you know, I I I was having a good time with the friends that I'd met, but I was very very driven, having mm-hmm. taken so long to get there. So, um, you know, I worked really hard. But yeah, it was it was a challenging course. It was very book heavy, and the detail, the minutia was was small you know um they sort of left no stone unturned and you had to essentially redo chemistry biochemistry you know it um that well the first two years were were tough you know um before you really start doing anything sort of clinical we were studying anatomy um and a little bit of pathology but yeah it was heavy going and then how did you when you came back to do your EMS in the holidays here um how did you find that because obviously EMS is pretty competitive to get onto nowadays amongst just the British schools trying to you know place students and things yeah yeah it was it was it was tricky um largely because I was fully um controlled by flights as mm. to when you know the dates that I was back in the UK and also being a student from Budapest the UK practices and providers are under no real obligation to then provide EMS for students outside of the UK system as well however being as long in the tooth as I am I'd got good industry contacts and I lent upon those heavily um which paid great dividends and you know people were very gracious and really helped me out um so I was very lucky but I guess you know the take-home message there is be prepared and apply you know literally two years in advance some of the wait lists are enormous I mean it depends where you're trying to see practice and in, in you know what what species but equine for example the wait lists are really really long um so yeah definitely need to plan ahead um to ensure that a you get the number of weeks that are required but also that you get the pick of the nice the good placements you know um yeah and get to go where you want to go yeah once you graduated i mean did you did you already have in mind what you wanted to do as a new grad vet or were you very much thinking i'll just see what happens or you know i knew and I always remember at vet school, the, the message there was don't formulate a plan on where you want to be until, you know, get further through the course. But for me, I knew really the driving force had always been equine and I knew that I wanted to do equine. And I think uh, one regret is I felt when I graduated that I didn't really have enough time on my side to, I would love to have done a year of mixed, mm. studied all those 
you've studied everything, all the species. I would love to have had a crack at some farm work, you know, as a, as a vet. Um, I'd love to have done a bit of smallies. Um, and I think those good, true mixed practices, A, are harder to come by now. Um, but imagine the skill set that you get from, you know, from working in one of those practices. But I felt for me that I was already hitting industry quite late in life for mm-hmm. me. And I had a lot of ground to cover and not very much time to sort of make up to get to where I wanted to be. And that, of course, included an internship, which was something I knew that I wanted to do. So I thought long and hard and I just thought I have to just um, sort of crack on and and get into practice in equine. And that's what I did. So I worked in, um, took an ambulatory job, and I think it's for me, and I see it now with sort of, you know, having students in the car and things, I would really stress that that first job is just so important um, mm-hmm. to have good mentorship, good support, um, you know, and people who are there, to, you know, prepared to help you and when, you know, that will pick up the phone. And yeah, it's, it's really key. Um, so making um, a a good decision at that point is really key, I think, to your progression. Um, and that probably sort of ties in a bit with EMS and, and what you said earlier about having contacts and networking and getting to yeah. know people. You know, we're a small industry, so it's easier than in many other industries to get to know other people and get to know what other practices and areas of the industry are like. And so we should use that to our advantage, I guess. And coming to vet school now and in their first few years of of, of being graduated, you know, using those contacts, using that network can be really valuable. And like you said, approaching people, talking to them, asking for support, asking for help, you know, that's, that's ultimately what we we all need to do throughout our careers, not just at the beginning, even. And I think, um, you know, attending conference at Beaver, you know, I mean, and and now, you know, I've never been to the London Vet Show, but they have quite a strong, I mean, I'm talking about equine now, but it, it's applicable for, for anyone. You just have to get out there and you have to put yourself out there and you have to network and you have to wander around from stand to stand, take as many pens as you can, um, <laughs> but just get chatting to people. Um, yeah. People like to meet, um, you know, young graduate students, you know, and, and it's all about that because you never know when you can call upon those people later in life, you know, um, and I'm still doing it now. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's been a great thing to have such a wide network of, of friends and colleagues that I've met along the way. I think that's true. And I think that's been the case for lots of people that we've spoken to on this podcast and people I've known in my career that, you know, keeping doors open and getting to know people is possibly the most valuable skill set you have if you want to enjoy probably most careers, but particularly an equine um, career. You know, that's that's a really valuable skill set to have and to hone in on. And I suppose, yeah somewhere where you can network, whether that's online, whether it's in person, you know, I don't think you can ever really be meeting people in person face to face because you I think you leave a lasting sort of you know um you know um you leave a sort of impression on them don't you exactly. I think, when it's yeah. in person. Yeah. so absolutely that and people have often said that about congress it's a great place to go and meet others yeah. in, in the profession where you can look at jobs and different career paths and that's hopefully something that we're going to build on more and more as time goes on yeah so, well, thank you for coming and talking to us today. And um, we'd love to hear a bit more about your your very career path 
beyond beyond this point as well, where you entered into into equine veterinary medicine. And um, maybe we'll get you back for another podcast at some point later this year. Fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. Thanks for chatting today, Mel. Nice talk. Bye. This episode of BeaverPod was produced by Beaver. For more details on the benefits of your Beaver membership and the products and services offered, please go to our website at www.beaver.org.uk.